Welcome to another edition of the Loaded Bases Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Alessandro De Janeiro. It is your boy. And uh, we've got a lot to discuss today on Season 1, Episode 9 of the Loaded Bases Podcast. It's already it's already Episode 9. That's kind of crazy. But uh, we've made it this far. Anyway, uh, so we've got just a lot to talk about today. Some Mets and Yankees-related injuries. Probably mostly Yankees. Little, just a little more Yankees. Some Mets, but we'll touch on that. We're going to talk about uh, some pitchers the Yankees might be able to acquire, given the string of injuries they've seen to their pitchers. We're also going to talk about player spotlights. Uh, we're going to focus on Ahmed Rosario. We're going to try this segment out. And some bombshell news breaking this week. We're going to discuss that. If you're a Mets fan, you might want to stay tuned. Let's go. So, uh, directly after our last podcast, literally right after we uploaded it, we found out about Severino. Before I get into Severino, let's just start off by saying last season, right, was the injury-played season uh, for the Yankees. They still won 103 games. Uh, It was the next man up squad with quotations um, because of players like Urshela, Ford, Talkman, who were able to come up and fill the holes in the system. They missed uh, over 2,000 games uh, combined. Um, they third over thirty players were injured. Judge Stanton, Severino, you know uh, Gary Sanchez for a period of time. Regardless, yada yada. Um, so going into the season and signing Garrett Cole, you know the the hopes were high for the Yankees. Um, that's why they were projected to win the World Series because if they could do that last season with the next man up squad, imagine what they could do with the fully healthy squad. Yada yada. And then it comes out that James Paxton is going to be hurt until June because he had uh, he needed back surgery to remove something from his back. So you hear about that, you're like, uh-oh, you know, here we go again. But, uh, you know, you kind of just brush it under the rug. You know, we can absorb Paxton being hurt. Regardless, you'll be all good. Then you find out that Judge has been nursing a, a, a sore shoulder since the end of last season. And he hasn't thrown a, pit, uh, a ball yet at spring training. He hasn't swung a bat either. Um, but they're hoping that he'll be ready for opening day. And then you find out about Luis Severino, who at first it was just elbow discomfort. They weren't sure if it was going to be long-term or short-term. And then it turns out that he is going to need Tommy John surgery. The reason why that's so devastating is because Luis Severino was the highest Yankee pitching prospect um, in years. And the idea that... You know, he's not going to become the player that we so many people thought that he could be, one of the best pitchers in baseball, is heartbreaking. Um, now, obviously, his career isn't over, but the, the Yankees signed into a four-year, $40 million contract extension, and since then he's pitched 12 games. And when he comes back, he's going to have about a year and a half left on that contract. So he'll be back probably in between the 2021 season, and then very quickly... Stanton now also with a calf strain. Um, I saw somebody on Instagram the other day say that Stanton was the new Ellsbury. I just think that's so dumb and ignorant to say because how are you going to see Ellsbury's injuries were questionable. He was getting plantar fasciitis, right? Stanton's injuries are directly related to how bulked up he is. In this new day and age, we see all these like bulked up um, hitters. Although specifically with Stanton, though, I just want to. You will judge too. Well, no, but I mean, I mean, with Stanton though, I'm actually 
if he can stay on the field, I'm actually less worried about him specifically um, because he's, if you look at just his ability to make contact and ability to make adjustments in his stance and work on his mechanics, he can implement mechanical changes and then have them work. Um, He's just that good a hitter. You saw him go from the closed stance to the open stance and how, what impact that made. Um, I think that he is the type of player that can get injured and like lose some power due to an upper body or lower body injury and then come back and make adjustments and become more of like a contact hitter as opposed to like a power hitter. That being said, that doesn't change most of what you just said about he's just the injuries and he's the just injury contract. Yeah. I think it's based on the way that he's built. The guy is unbelievably yoked. I mean, the guy is just pure muscle. So then a lot of his injuries stem from that. Um, so the Yankees hopefully will have him sometime uh, a couple weeks into the start of the beginning of the season. Him and Judge shouldn't be a huge issue, but what the huge issue is um, is Severino, right? Because this guy was supposed to be the number two option for the Yankees. Then you were talking about a, a pitching rotation that would have Garrett Cole, number one, Sebi two, Tanaka three, Paxton four. You're talking about probably one of the best starting rotations in all of baseball. And now all of a sudden it's Cole... Tanaka and Hap. Now Cole and Tanaka is the best. Probably and one Montgomery, though. Yeah, but again, Montgomery has had Tommy John surgery. We haven't really seen what he's done since then. He's a young pitcher. He might not be anything. So you can't just be like, "Oh, we're gonna be fine." We got Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery. Well, I hope he'll be a great pitcher. He's he's wasn't nearly the same. Um, wasn't nearly as touted coming out of the minor league system as Severino was. Right. So you're talking about a drop off in terms of pitching ability, but. We'll see what the Yankees, uh, or we'll see what Montgomery can do. Um, so what does this mean for the Yankees? I, it's crazy. The way that they're built, I think they'll still be good to win 100-plus games. The Yankees won 103 games last year pretty much without any of these guys. Stanton played 18 games. Judge played 56 games. Severino missed the entire season except for two games at the end of the season. Paxton was on the team last year, but the first half of his season was not good. The second half of his season, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. So, and then they just added Garrett Cole for 300 whatever plus million dollars for nine years. They can worry about the rest of that contract later on. But the Yankees will be able to weather the storm. It's interesting, though. They don't, they don't have the same talent pitching-wise as they do offensively, Right? The Yankees were able to bring up Mike Ford, Talkman, um, Gio Rochella through their system um, last year, and, and, and they were able to make an impact. Who are the Yankees going to use to fill the hole or that, that Severino was left? Are they going to use Jonathan Wazga? Who, by the way, I made a mistake the last podcast. I said Jonathan Wazga was overrated. I wasn't thinking because for whatever reason, when I thought Jonathan Wazga the idea of Luis Sessa came into my head. No disrespect to Luis Sessa. I think he's a little bit overrated. Jonathan Weisler is actually a pretty good pitcher. Um, so the Yankees are probably going to look to fill that that role with uh, Luisga, Debbie Garcia, um, maybe uh, I think his name is Matt King, right? Is that the um, Michael King? Michael King. The, see, um, I don't know a lot about him, but um, mainly because I wasn't really worried about the Yankees starting pitching. I think that was foolhardy of any Yankee Michael, fan to do. Michael. Michael. Michael King, I think that was full foolhardy of any Yankee fan to not really worry about injury coming into the season. You're kind of riding on a high why, the entire offseason. Why off is season. this? Like, why is this? I don't know. 
The Yankees have had Gene Monahan as their, as you know, the head of their uh, training staff for for twenty plus years. That's how you know that you're like a diehard fan when you can name like the fucking medical director <laughs> of a team. <laughs> well, they also they got rid of. Can you name they their fired interns their whole, too? They fired their whole strength and conditioning team, and they and they got the basically the guys that they hired. I don't know any of their names, but they were they're rumored to be like the best in the business. They were supposed to be like like game changers, and you're already starting to see these injuries. I don't know where where to place the blame. Paxton should have gotten this injury right after the offseason if it was a problem. Judge should have taken a look at his shoulder right after the offseason if it was a problem. Severino, you know, you can't blame the guy for not wanting, for, for being hurt so much. And, and it kind of just happened. It seemed like it was a little sporadic that he wasn't dealing with the elbow discomfort. And you know what else is worrying? Is that Tanaka never had Tommy John surgery. And they were kind of like, the, the decision that they made was, all right, when your shoulder tears, it tears, and that will probably be the end of your career. And Tanaka was like, okay. And, he, you know, he's gone out and he's pitched exceptionally well. What if Tanaka goes out this year and tears his shoulder? Knock on fucking wood. Yeah. That, that, then, then we're talking about a real problem because the Yankees, again, they won one, one or three that last staff, year. I mean, like any staff losing three pitchers is going yeah, to. That's not good. So, um. Now. The, yeah, go. No, I just I guess my question would be like, is this at what point do you ask, is this random or is this a systemic Yankees issue? Yeah, I've asked myself that throughout all of last season. Um, and you would think that them getting rid of their old training staff bringing in a new one would, would solve the issue. Um, you know, the Yankees, you know, keep a closed book. You don't really you don't really find out too much about what's going on inside of the organization. Kind of run like the Kremlin almost, you know. They're just very wow. tight. <laughs> it's strong words, strong right. words. Um, but you know, they they keep um, they keep the doors closed. They don't really let you in. So you don't you know you're left to to kind of just speculate, which is a reason why a lot of Yankee fans are morons. Shout out to my fellow Yankee fans because they don't know they don't know so much. So let that, me just get this straight. So Yankee fans are morons and they're built this. like the Kremlin. Like <laughs> I will say this: I think that Mets fans are some of the most intelligent fans in the game. Just like Nick fans are some of the most intelligent basketball fans in the game. Because you see the systemic issues, and you see your team lose year after year, and you know that that doesn't work. So, you know know that, like, what's going on right now doesn't work. And then when you see other teams doing it, you're like, oh, I'm not really sure if you should go down that route. You know what it is? You know what it is? It's like like when you have a lost – I'm so happy that you said that because when you have a lost season, you're trying to salvage it as much as possible. And so when your team sucks, like, you want to play GM in your head. Yeah. And And that's what Mets fans do. I think another reason why Mets fans are so intelligent is because – because their team, or the same with Knicks fans, because their team isn't the best team every year, it then also allows them to look throughout, look at other teams. What are those teams doing well? Who are the good players on those teams that I can only dream of having on my team? And that's why you become so knowledgeable about around the league stuff. As a Yankee fan, and I can admit this personally, you're very ignorant to what's going around around the league. Um, but whatever, that's besides the point. Um, I think that you know the Yankees are going to have to make a decision um, in figuring out how to replace Severino and, and, and fill that hole. They said they're going to look in-house. Again, like I said before, Debbie Garcia, Lewisica, Sessa, um, Michael King. Um, but 
is that sustainable over 162 games and into the playoffs? I don't even I don't, think. Don't think so. Because you've got Luizica and or uh, Diego Garcia rather, who has I don't even know if he has any major league experience. No, yet. no. What? Yes, he does. Yeah. Diego Garcia has major yeah. league experience, yeah. but not much. No, not much. But he's he's a good pitcher. No, of um, course he. Is. I mean, he's a t- he's a highly touted prospect, but he is one of those pitchers that kind of just it, it it was like that. It was like the snap of a finger. He was like in low ball, and then he just shot right up. Um, so he doesn't have a long history. Although that, like, basically, my point is like you don't necessarily know what you have. When um, Jay Habs is your third pitcher going into the season, you need to make some. You need to make some moves. moves uh, Jay Habs yeah. a good pitcher. But so I'm gonna list off some names, right? I'm just right. gonna. I've gathered a Lay bunch of on names. Me. Lay them on me. All right. So just to be clear, right? I've gathered names that I, I'm picking teams that I think are either out of it, or I think are probably willing to give up a pitcher or two, or I think these teams may not compete at the deadline. Yeah. Um, let's not just for argument's sake. Don't argue with me on whether you think these teams are going to be competitive. Although I'm pretty yeah, sure you, I mean, you'd agree anyway. Yeah. But if the anyway, sign them or, or trade, make a trade. trade. So some of these are free agents, and some of these are players that I think you'll be able to get. Okay. All right. Tanner Roark, acquire right now or at the deadline. He was just signed. He's a two-year contract on the Blue Jays. It's like seven million a year. Good pitcher, solid, you know, solid pitcher. Yeah. Uh, next. <laughs> All right. So you're uninspired. Andrew uninspired. Andrew Haney. Angels. I mean, I don't think the Angels would would give him up right now. But I will tell you right now, the Angels are not going to be competitive this year. Uh, despite signing Anthony Rendon, I think Andrew Haney is is uh, dispensable. He's not a great pitcher, but he's he's been like the um, he's been like the one of the number one pitchers on the Angels forever. It was like him before Andrew Skaggs passed Andrew Skaggs, and like th- those were the main two dudes. Yeah, but you know that's the problem with Andrew Haney. He he had a four nine one ERA last year, but his team had like no run support. Like the Angels were okay. not. Keep keep going through the list. Keep going through the list. I'll I'll I'll, I'll, He's come, I'll come, come back and I'll touch on all these guys. Just keep okay. going through. All right, Brett Anderson. He's Milwaukee. Uh, if the Brewers are not, you know, competitive, I think by the 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 trade deadline, he's a solid. He's a very serviceable pitcher. Three eight nine ERA last year. What do you think about him in a hitter's park? Three eight nine ERA last year, but then the the year before that he had a five ERA. The year before that he had a five ERA. The year before that he had an eight ERA. Then before that an eleven ERA. No, you're 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 talking about Andrew Haney right now. No, I'm talking about Brett Anderson. Oh, you're, oh, 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 okay. I didn't even realize. Yeah. That. Okay. I think there's a there's what? a there's a general theme going on here. I'll get to it when you're done. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, John Lester, if the Cubs are not competitive, not the, yeah. not totally opposed to it. Uh, okay. Little old, big contract, big contract. Um, then they'll probably want you to offload some of your, um, yeah, yeah uh, your prospects or, yeah, or just take salary. I'll pass on that. All right, you uh, Darvish, another Cub. You Darvish is, was actually I, pretty good last yeah. year. So there's two guys that I would probably make a trade. Trade for Did you Darvish play last year? Yeah, he was pretty good. Oh, okay. Like I said, it was the year before he didn't play. He missed like a whole season recently. Not recently. It was like a couple of years ago. It was when he was on the Cubs. No, I think it was, I don't know. Anyway, we'll, we'll edit this out. But. It was 2018. Yeah, okay. So yeah, there's, a, there's, there's a couple guys who I would you make. Darvish last year had like a sub-4 ERA, like yeah. 3.89. There's like, a couple of guys who I would make the move for. You Darvish is one of them. But you have to be very careful with pitches. What about keep going, Jose keep Quintana? Cubs, another Cub, because I, I just you can tell uh, the, my theme here is that I don't really have a ton of faith in the Cubs. 
But uh, last year he had a 4.68 ERA, 171 innings. No? You're shaking your head? All right, let's keep it moving. Jason Vargas is a free agent. No. No? Danny Salazar, free agent. No. I, I don't I don't think there's really much downside to signing Salazar, besides, besides a roster spot. And there's 26 men this year on the roster, so I don't know. The Yankees have... The Yankees' pitching depth is deep. That's the thing that we need to remember. They have a lot of deep pitching depth, and they, a lot of their guys, the Yankees have, are consistently one of the best bullpens in the game. And in a league that is changing more to opener roles and is relying more heavily on the bullpen like the Yankees have done for the past three seasons and have been very successful at it, um, it would not make sense to go out and sign a Salazar. Well, he, but it would be like a minor's deal, though. It would be a minor deal, and then like with the hope low, that like he low, like does uh, well in the minors, and you can bring him up to fill in one of those roles. But you could also fill in one of these roles again with Chad Green. Personally, with, I with actually like, I like Salazar. But anyway, same theme. What do you think about um, Aaron Sanchez? He's twenty-seven not years old. It. No, not no. with it. Okay. Uh, Corey Kluber, Texas. Yes. Because I, I, Texas is actually. Not doesn't have a terrible roster. Yeah. I like Jose I'll, Guzman I'll, on their I'll first go, base. I'll go back and touch on it. Just keep going through the list. Okay, Matthew Boyd, Texas, uh, Detroit, rather. No, no, he's probably one of the only options. But anyway, we'll continue yeah, this. I know. John Gray on Colorado. I don't think Colorado is going to be good. I don't know if they're going to extend John Gray if they're not extending Arenado. I don't. I, honestly, I don't even know a lot about John Gray. Um, John Gray. John Gray is a good pitcher. He had a kind of a down year last year. But in seasons pre- prior, John Gray was, you know, people. a lot of people thought he was going to be, like, this great pitcher every single year. Hasn't really turned out that way, but... Yeah, so then not worth it. Not worth it. Not worth it? Okay. All right. Even though he's pitching in Colorado, though, so... Yeah. I think he could probably be better on the Yankees. Um, so, anyway, Herman Marquez, another another Rocky. I don't know. I don't even know who that is. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> Again, he's a, I, I, I actually like the latter two. I think that he could be – he's 25. He's on the Rockies. 4.7 ERA, forget it. In in uh, Colorado, though. Forget it. I, I actually like him, too. Um, and then uh, Jeff Samarja. No. All right. Is that the list? That's the list. Okay, that's, so the reason why the you can't do Jeff Samarja. So Jeff Samarja just recently was asked – because Jeff Samarja has a monstrous – Yankee contract. I mean, Yankee contract. What am I saying? Justin Marge has a monster contract for the Giants. He's going to turn 36 years old this year. Um, he has a no-trade clause. And when he was asked, because there are rumors floating around about Samarja, when he was asked on whether or not he would like to be traded to the Yankees, because again, he has a no-trade clause, his response was, yeah, if they give me the number two. If they give me number two. Wow, what a piece of shit. So f- go fuck yourself. Stay in, stay in San Francisco. Um, the, wow. the problem with a lot. That's that's just like why like what leverage do you have, dude? Like, listen, the, you're like 37 yeah. on a team that's not competitive. Why do you want to be there? Like, well, I think a lot of these guys get paid. Justin Marja was a free agent late. He got his money, and now he's chilling. Yeah, but don't these players like like no. you constantly hear like I want to win, I want to be on a good team, I want to be competitive. Like, it's a handful like, of players. I don't think that's true. I think that's like the the, the competitive spirit is what makes these players so good. Yeah. So to hear Jeff Samarja like make a stupid joke like that, just to me seems like why do you okay. even want to be on a rebuilding team? Like now here's the here's the thing with the Yankees, right? The Yankees, um, a couple years ago, uh, were making a playoff push and they were shopping 
a lot of their prospects um, to get deals done for it to bring in a starting pitcher. It didn't happen. Why? Because teams were almost holding the Yankees hostage because there was so much talent um, in their minor league system and also with players that they had on the team who were sitting on the bench. Um, the Yankees have a lot of guys who are MLB ready. And I don't think that trading an Andujar or a Frazier, right, is worth it for getting a Brett Anderson. Um, now, you can say, well, the Yankees might not have to give up Andujar or Clint Frazier, but if another team knows that you have that talent, they're not going to just trade, they're not going to trade one of their pitchers for just like some nobody prospect. I agree with that. They want someone who's going to yeah. be MLB ready and they want to get the most value back. And, and Duhar and Frazier give you the most value back. So the Yankees... The Yankees do have now, other prospects, though. Now, I, I think a smart... I don't want to say smart, but I think the Yankees would be... It would be in their best interest to trade for Corey Kluber. I think it would also be in the best interest of the Texas Rangers. I know Corey Kluber has kind of fallen off the cliff a little bit, but the Texas Rangers made a trade for Kluber, Right. How good would it be for their organization? They're not going to be competitive this year. How good would it be for their team if they could acquire Corey Kluber and then turn around and flip Corey Kluber for a Clint Frazier or for a Miguel Andujar? And, and that actually makes a lot of sense because if you're going to get someone back, well, I, I, first of all, actually, I, I wouldn't trade, Cor, uh, you know, just given what Corey Kluber might be next year. Like if he's really good, that's one thing. Like if he's if he's in really great shape, that's one thing. But I'm not so sure that he will be, but assuming for argument's sake that he is, this works for the Yankees because if you are the Texas Rangers and the Yankees are offering you like a really good MLB ready prospect, you're more inclined to eat salary. And if you want to, if you don't want to eat salary, then you're less inclined, or the Yankees rather are less inclined to give you a good prospect. The Yankees need to decide what they want to do with Clint Frazier because this guy is extremely talented and has proven that he can play in great the taste leagues. in sneakers too. Yeah, he's the man, and he has incredible bat speed. He's an incredibly talented player, and the Yankees have kind of held him back for personal reasons and for for health reasons. Right, he got the the bad concussion. Wait, nice going, spilling the coffee. Good job, good job. What can I say? So he had the he had the season where he had the concussion. Concussions are really like hard to deal with. Um, it could sideline you for a week. It could put you out for a whole season. It pretty much put him out for the rest of the season. Um, he couldn't get back from it. Um, when I was uh, smashed his like, head into the when I was like eight, wall. when I was like eight, I uh, was was racing uh, down the stairs of my elementary school, and I slid down the pole, and I like hit my head, and I got like a minor concussion, and I oh, can tell that's you, why. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I, that in the paint chips that I've been eating. It's been it's been a real struggle, but anyway. Um, basically, like that, yo, concussions are crazy. I know, I like, had one. Like, I five couldn't years open ago. up my eyes, and also my babysitter at the time, like, she was just like, she was like, "Oh, take a nap," <laughs> and I was just like, "Yo, a, you almost fucking yeah. killed me!" Like, you fucking. Yeah. I had Christ. a I had a terrible concussion like a few years ago. Anyway, um, so the Yankees need to decide what they're doing with Clint Frazier. Clint, he's like the Bernie of the Yankees, and when I say that, I mean Wait, he, what? He's the Bernie of the Yankees. <laughs> okay, Clint Frazier. Because the Yankees have kept him down in their system for a, a long time. He doesn't really resemble what the Yankees are all about. He's very flashy. He wears these cool cleats. He has incredible bat speed. He speaks out against the media. And he speaks his mind about the Yankees and about what the decisions they're making. Not really the Yankee way. 
But how long are we going to harp on this old method, this old way of thinking? The Yankees are the greatest franchise in the history of sports. We understand that. But Clint Frazier is an incredibly talented player. And you don't need to be buttoned up all the time. You need to let these players breathe and live. And if Clint Frazier is not going to make an impact on your team, then you need to trade him and get back value for him, which benefits both parties. Clint Frazier can go on and become the all-star that he that he is. He has the he has a potential all-star talent. He is going to be an all-star someday if all pans out right. And the Yankees can then receive back more talent for him. Now, maybe the reason why they haven't traded him is because he hasn't played in the majors enough for them to trade him back for something that could really be important. But I think that he has has shown just enough. Um, and he has also shown the the will and the, the, the determination to, regardless of his problems with the team and his problems with his own, with his own uh, injuries, um, he's shown that he can battle back. And he looks ready for the season. He's killing it in spring training. Um, now, so what happens They need to make if- the decision. What happens, right, if you if you kind of hold Clint Frazier back for as long as he as long as you they have, and then they have him under contract for another year, and then he breaks out? Like I, I don't know if he would even want to stay with the Yankees. I know he, I don't I don't. You're right, and that, that, that this is a rare instance for the Yankees because usually you know you're you go to the 20, Yankees. He's almost twenty seven or something. Twenty six. I think he's like, I think he's a year younger than me, so I think he's twenty four or twenty five. Um, but you know, you go to the Yankees, you have long-term success and then you want to come back. You want to come, you know, you always want to come back to the team. He, I, I haven't seen my, my whole time with the Yankees. I haven't really seen a relationship like this that they've had with like another player where it gets a little testy. Um, and, but they, but they believe in him. But the thing is, again, I, I, I don't think they're going to trade him. Do what? I just don't think they're going to trade him. I, I understand that he's not a good third baseman. You don't but, give him up for nothing. Yeah, well, that's so you don't, you don't give him up for one of these guys. Um, I, I mean, I'm not suggesting name. that you do, but, but maybe well, if Kluber is like in really good form, I think we forget how good maybe. of a hitter Andujar is. And just to be clear, there are going to be other pitchers out there. Like, there's going to be pitchers we have yeah, we don't exactly. see coming. There's going to be teams that we don't think are exactly. going to they, fall off a cliff. They're going to fall off a cliff. Yeah. Andujar, yeah. you, you, his bat is so special that you don't just. You know, give up on him and trade the good him news regardless is that of the, his butt, which is why they're playing him in left field throughout all of summer training. The good news is that the Yankees do have a lot of pieces so that you know they're going to be competitive, you know, in the middle of the season so that if there are players that, like, really break out, uh, perhaps the combination of a player that breaks out on a losing team, like a pitcher, the Yankees are poised to really be able to negotiate with any team for any player. Yes, but the problem that they've had before is that so many teams have the same asking price that their room for negotiation becomes slim to none. That's why they weren't able to trade for Robbie Ray or Matt Boyd. But if they like if they feel like they have three pitchers, that being said, you still they still are in a position to make that move, even if they are getting pinched. Like if you're the Yankees, you can't go into the playoffs with with Jay Happ as your third starter. Like, well, that's not going to happen. Paxton will be back. Paxton will be back. That's fair. But you're not going to have... And you use, you usually use four pitchers in the playoffs. So if you have Cole true, Tanaka as true. your one-two, that's fair. then Paxton as your third, if you need Happ or you go for for an opener role for that for that fourth game, they can make it work. So we'll, we'll see what they do. I don't, They're not going to... I can put money on it that they're not going to trade Anduar. I... Don't know if I necessarily agree with that. He's a really bad fielder. 
but his bat is special. He can be one of the best hitters in the game. So yeah. All right. Well, I think we've covered that yes, pretty sir. extensively. Um, the Mets. The Mets are not as injury prone, I guess, this season yet. Thank God. Uh, yeah. Right. Thank goodness. But um, they definitely do have players who have had injuries or currently have injuries who are worth just taking a look at and checking up on. So one of those players is Brandon Nimmo. I love Brandon Nimmo. Like I, I think this guy can do amazing things. He's the type of player that can hit 267 and just have like a 400 on base percentage and still be like a meaningful contributor. Um, and he's just such a great clubhouse guy. Like if you, if you hear him talk, the intangibles are there. He's just such a light presence. So it sounds so what, what like happened to him? he had a neck injury last year. And, and neck injuries are brutal because you, that's your whole swing. Like you're turning your neck. But he had a mild heart attack? No, what? No, no, no. It wasn't a mild heart attack. It was like, a, it was like some heart murmur. But, but the, the, I've heard that he's like okay. Like that was something that happened. Like they just pulled him from a game because he had like a mild heart, you know, problem. But – um, you know, these guys are playing in the hot sun and they're, they're working out every day and they're doing tons of cardio, like things like this happen every now and then, but I don't think that he has any like heart condition or something. They did monitor him and, and it came out that he was not, it was that, that was not serious, mm-hmm. but the next stuff is good. Like he's good now with the next stuff. So I'm not worried about him. The next player is Cespedes. Who's Ooh, been, hold on, hold on, hold on. I yeah. want to ask you a question about Nemo. How worried are you about Brandon Nemo? Because Brandon Nimmo has been with the Mets since 2016. So he's going on, we're going to his fourth year, right? In 2016, he played 32 games. Yeah. In 2017, he played 69 games. In 2018, he played 140 games. And last year, he played 69 games. So this guy has not been able to get onto the field consistently, besides in 2018, and he still ended up missing 22 games. So yeah. how much does that worry you? Because. When you have a young player who can't stay healthy, who's consistently injury prone, but also has the talent, you know, what do you do with a player like that? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I'm not terribly worried about him because the injuries, first of all, they're not like all the same kind of injury, and they're not like he doesn't he he's not like the type of player that like you know like Bryce Harper like running into walls constantly. Although he did hurt his neck by running into a wall, but that's not like a you know constant thing. Also, some of the the reason that he missed time, I believe it was 2017, was because uh, he was in a slump. So he they brought him down to the minors. So that actually wasn't related to injury. And then his age 23 season, it was 2016, he was just, he was just, you know, uh, he was a, he was called up. So he only played 23 games. So uh, that injuries haven't, I'm not ready to say that injuries have been a huge, cons- are a huge concern. He's also never been able to hit over 260. Yeah, but his on-base percentage is so crazy that you don't even care. Like, he, like the on-base percentage is nuts. It's okay. What? His on-base percentage is bananas, dude. Yeah, he had a 404 on-base percentage in 2018. A, a, four on, a 404 on-base yeah. percentage with a 263 average is, like, bananas. Yeah, so he walks a lot. And then he, he walks and a he, lot. And, and, he, he, get, and he hustles to fr- – <laughs> no, but I know. But if you if you hear him interviewed, it, it's he. You know, he is like a. I I I never understood how this works in the club, but he's like super religious. I've always wondered like what that does to other players. Like I I always. I don't know. I I really don't know how major league clubhouses work. A lot of players are like deeply religious, but it just seems like I don't know that that always to me as someone who's not religious it always seemed like. 
Who's it, it could get weird. Brandon Nimmo's super religious. Like, he's really, really religious. Oh, boy. Um, anyway, so as far as his injury history, I'm not cons- I'm not terribly concerned. I think every – I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he has kind of not really peaked and reached his true potential. I think that he's the type of player, like, if you trade, you would regret it because he would just, you know, do really well. Um, but he's going to do well. And also, he, he's going to do great. Um, he's he's not even 27 he's yet. He's do great. Wow. I think he'll be really good last, next year. I think he'll All be right. really, really good next year. He can get on base if he can hit the – dude, imagine this guy hits like 300. <laughs> like that on-base percentage would be fucking crazy. Yeah, but he doesn't hit. He doesn't. He doesn't. No, you're right. I mean that's that's fair. Like that. Like imagine he just hit 40, 40, 40 yeah. more points of average. Like, But he's also shown a little pop every now and then. Like he hit – I believe he hit uh, – what was it? 17 home runs in his age 25 season. So the power is there a little bit. Um, he's just got to, you know, hit, you know, hit for more average. But I, I'm not, he's a, just a great, he's just a great but player. But does it not worry you, right, in the season that where he only missed 22 games? No, but he had a neck injury. So when he came back, he was still a little injured. Okay. But he still played 140 games. So over 140 games. But he was dealing with the neck injury for most of the season. I understand that. But if it was that big of an issue, then then would they have just sidelined him? It was it was a player on the field that's going to be detrimental to your team. Because at first it was not as it wasn't yeah. bad enough to keep him off the field, and then eventually it was like he bats leadoff, right? Uh, most of the time, because it is he was he had seventeen. I know we we don't use this to judge players anymore, but he had seventeen home runs, forty seven RBI. That's and, also and, big. and in one hundred and forty strikeouts in and one hundred and forty games played. Yeah, so he, 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 he strikes out, out too. Yeah. He struck he strikes out a lot too. That's a problem for a Sorry, I'm not hitter. trying to shit on Brandon. No, no, no. I, no, I mean, no. Please bring these things up because they're important. Brandon Nemo has dealt with strikeouts. But I just think that if he can, you know, obviously K less and um, get on base – or not get on base, rather, hit for more at contact um, and sort of, like, identify the strike zone better, I think that he'll he'll really – he's basically, right, like, the, the fundamental, the basis of any good hitter, the reason why Ted Williams was just so great – not comparing Brandon Nimmo to Ted Williams, okay, right. but is that you need to have a good sense of the strike zone. That is the the foundation for anything you do. You need to know which pitches to hit and which ones not to hit. Then it's a matter of squaring the ball up. He know he knows the strike zone pretty well. It's just he ne- he needs to make the contact. But his vision and his eye of the strike zone is is impeccable. So yeah. I okay. think that I'm of all the players, I think Brandon Nimmo has the foundation to be really really good. Okay. But moving on, Cespedes. I've heard like like Eduardo uh, new, uh, Eduardo what's his name Perez, Perez yeah. thinks that Cespedes is going to be really freaking good. No. He's in a contract year. I could I could see him hitting like twenty home runs or something. Like if he yeah of course of course yeah, he's going to yeah. hit twenty home runs. When you talk about Cespedes, yeah, but he's he missed a full year. I, I all I'm saying is I think he's, that he can be a meaningful yeah. contributor and he resumed baseball activities. He's hitting off the tee. He's running. He's going to be on the opening day lineup. I think that I'm not ready to call him an X factor, but I think that he he there's a lot of upside there. Cespedes is the problem with Cespedes is, is that first of all, there's a couple of reasons why has he gone from team to team to team consistently, but that's besides the point. Well, a lot uh, of play, Andy Martina reported last year that a lot of players like did, like thought he was standoffish in the clubhouse, yeah. and he sort of strike you know the the thing that worries me about Cespedes is that he's never he's played one full season in the bigs. Every year he misses at least. 45 to 50 games. Yeah, but he, but they're not, not they're not good. relying on him as like a contributor. They, he's well, just what do like you mean? he's just like the cherry on top. Like if he if they get anything from him, they'll be happy. I think 
It, You've uh, got Nimmo, good, Conforto, and, you, and McNeil again, or Davis. Okay, I mean, I wouldn't throw Nimmo in there. I mean, the guy has barely played since 2016. He played 80 games in 2017, and he played 38 games in 2018. Who are you referring to? Cespedes. Cespedes. Yeah, no, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't. I'm not. I don't think the Mets are are banking on on Cespedes. I don't think they're. I think that he's just gonna. And then what was that whole thing? Why did he even get hurt? Like he like was on like a, a so ranch. So he was on a. So like, he was on a ranch, and then he like by an animal. Yeah, he got attacked by a wild boar, and he. Well, that's like, what he claims. That's what. Yeah, but I don't think that that's a, like a good excuse. Like yeah. why he got injured. But anyway, I mean, re- regardless, he's a bit of a character, Cespedes. He, oh yeah, of course. He belongs of course. on the Mets. Okay then. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. All right. No, but anyway. So, um, then Lowry again. He's one of these players. that's just like whatever you get from him is like fine. Mm-hmm. I don't love that he's taking up a roster spot. If I were the Mets, I think if he's not contributing in the middle of the season, they they should use that roster spot for someone else and just release him. Well, I mean, no. Well, hold on. You don't just release Jet Lowry. You can probably trade. No, him no, no. I don't think. No, no. I'm saying. I'm saying it like if 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 like a month or two goes by and he's just not doing shit. Yeah, okay. Then, so, like, did yeah. he, he didn't even play last year. He didn't. He was in, like, a fucking, like, half-body cast. Like, yeah. No, no, he just he just got, like, a bunch of injuries. Like, it was bananas. Oh. Anyway, and then uh, Seth Lugo broke his toe, but he's fine now. I wasn't worried about that. Everyone breaks their toe. Everyone's broken a toe. It, it happens. Like, it's not that crazy. So, the Mets injuries are, are really not that bad, actually. It's just, you know. No, but it will be interesting there. to see what Nimmo and what Cespedes do this season. Yeah. So, now moving on. To the bombshell news that we were referring oh to before. God. So a report came out. I don't know who broke the story, but I know that it was reported by the New York Post. A suitor has emerged. Remember when I said that I didn't want the Mets to be a toxic asset? <laughs> well, there is a toxic buyer in the market. Toxic meets toxic. There is oh a buyer. My God. Although I will say. Who has emerged. Wait, you, let, let me finish okay, who, okay. who this is. So who... Who would buy the Mets? James Dolan. Crescendo. James Dolan. James Dolan. Oh, my God. James Dolan. James Dolan, the player that the, – the person who has been single-handedly responsible for sweeping the history books from under the Knicks and – they're actually managing to do fairly well with the Rangers, but has not won since 94 with the Rangers, has emerged. Now, it is reported that he's more interested in joining SNY and MSG and joining those networks. That's a separate conversation. What would be the implications if Jeff, uh, if uh, Dolan well, first buys of the all, Knicks or buys the Mets? First of all, pull about the curtain a little bit. This is a prime example of how desperate Met fans can be. I come in the door, right? I'm getting ready for the podcast. I come in. Are you about to call me fucking desperate? <laughs> Nick looks at me and goes, did you hear? Did you see what I sent you? I'm like, what did you send me? He's like, James Dolan wants to buy the Mets. I put my hands on my head. I say, oh my God, that's to be the worst thing ever. Nick goes, well, hold on. Hold on. What do you mean, hold on? This is, this man. All right, now we need to, we need to clear some things up. So as the resident Knicks fan uh, in the room, I will offer some insight on James Dolan. James Dolan is a laughingstock narcissist who has completely destroyed the Knicks organization. Now, the Knicks weren't anything incredibly special before James Dolan. They did go to a few uh, finals appearances in the 90s. They were a good team. But the, the reason why he's such a bad owner is because he constantly meddles in the team's affairs. Sounds familiar. Rather than just... 
um, letting those who he hires do their job. Now, what he's done with the Rangers, because he grew up a Rangers fan and actually knew something about hockey, is he hired the right people. The problem is he doesn't know anything about basketball. So he hired the wrong people year after year for two decades uh, to make all the basketball decisions for the Knicks. And since then, they've gone to two playoffs. They've been to two playoff appearances. Both times they've been knocked so I, the, when, when the reason when I said hold on was because I thought it was reversed. I, I'm not a basketball fan or a yeah, hockey yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm actually a hockey fan. So I thought it was reversed. I was like, oh, he doesn't care about hockey. He'll just let yeah. – he just lets the yeah. hockey people. So I thought he was going to do that with the Mets. my friend, that is not true. So so if he's a, if he's not a baseball person, yeah. so exactly. that's bad news. Yeah, it's bad news. Now, little little story time from Dro. Um, George Steinbrenner in the late 90s had a deal – uh, to sell the New York Yankees to the Dolans. And the contract was signed, and George Steinbrenner would then take over uh, operations of all three sports franchises, the Rangers, the Knicks, and the um, the Yankees. Uh, and he would be the head of the sports operations for all three teams. And the reason why that deal did not go through, thank God, is because James Dolan did not want to give up control of the Knicks. He wanted to still be able to call the shots. He wanted to be the big dog. The guy spends more money on his musical career than he does on the on his own team. He pays to play, which means that he pays for to have headlining performances at Madison Square Garden, or not Madison Square Garden, but other arenas around the country and around the world. His band sucks. Um, <laughs> he's a nice guy, and I think that James Dolan means well. But... Unfortunately, his narcissism, his narcissism, his narcissism, I can't say that. Why can't I say narcissism? Because you can't fucking pronounce shit. Because <laughs> I got a stuffy fucking nose. Um, has gotten in the way of, of any smart basketball decisions ever being made. Now, his father was an intelligent businessman, sold HBO, right, for $10 billion dollars. Um, but James Dolan is not that. That's kind of the claim to fame, that his father was a good businessman, Chuck Dolan. Um, but James Dolan is not the same. And if this happens, the Mets will never, ever, 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 ever get out from underneath this. Because you were literally going from the second worst owner in sports to the worst owner in all of How sports. How old is he? 58. So he'll be around forever. Yeah. So yeah, it's not like you're not getting rid of it. Yeah. James Dolan is not. But I think I think that he. I've I've read at least that it's more likely at least that he just wants SNY, um, because he wants to combine like MSG and SNY. Uh, I kind of don't, I don't care about that. Like if he just wants the TV network, I don't even watch TV anymore. I think most people are kind of shying away from TV anyway. Like nobody has time to watch TV anymore. So there's that. Um, James Dolan looks a little bit like uh, like Jimmy Kimmel. Is that true? You don't... This is a guy who is who gets into lawsuits with his former players and throws them out of the stadium. Violently, might I add. He violently removed Charles Oakley from, the, from Madison Square Garden because Charles Oakley decided to rip him a new one for allowing the Knicks to be so bad. And, okay, this is, this is what is so egregious about James Dolan. I want everybody to, to, to take this in. The Knicks are still the most profitable franchise in basketball. They're, they have been the worst team, besides the Minnesota Timberwolves, over the past two decades. Now, you go to see a game of Madison Square Garden, you sit all the way back, last row, cheapest seat, probably $280. 
That's fucking ridiculous. The fact that you... And, and Knicks fans are even more dumb for even... Well, it's not a basketball podcast, but they're even more dumb for continuing to put money into this man's Imagine pocket. the Mets game. Uh, pocket. The, Met, if, like, the, the reason... I, I haven't gone to a Mets game in forever because I'm, I don't want to pay until they're until I feel like they've got their shit together. Um, but but basically, right, like, imagine turning the Mets into that. Like, the Mets don't have the, the you know, the, the Knicks are, are able to pay, uh, are able to get that many, that much money in ticket sales because they're the Knicks. Like, yeah. there really hasn't been a competitor in forever. The Mets are not that. The Mets don't have the brand equity that the Knicks have. So if you made Mets tickets, like, super expensive – Nobody would nobody would go. But then this is also why the Mets are inept because the the Knicks the reason why they're so their their brand equity is so high is because they're a, a New York franchise. And you know what? I just want to say too, this is exactly what I said when I heard that the fucking Wilpons were selling the team and there were like like the dudes from like Barstool and all these like Fuck all these like publications were like jumping for joy. I was like Barstool, we got beef. I was I was like why. Like, what? Like, that's just, you're just, why would you, like, no, I waited back and I said, hold on. We're not, we're not sure what's going to happen here. And now there's a fucking report that the Mets are potentially selling the team to the Dolans. What happened to A-Rod? Sell it to A-Rod. I don't think, I think the, the, I think the Mets ownership just want to be in the bag. Isn't it crazy that one of the most plagued baseball players of all time could actually turn this team around? A-Rod could turn this team around because the man is an incredible baseball man. And a good businessman too. And he's a good businessman and he turned his life around. If you could turn that life around, (laughs) man was on 60 Minutes lying, was suing the Yankees, was the most hated person in baseball, was getting booed out the wazoo at every single game, and now is one of the most beloved baseball players in the game today. And he wiped up. And he Jerry wiped Ryan. up J Lo. So there you go. That's right? winning. Yeah. If you could turn that life around, you could turn the Mets around. All Come right. on. So anyway, moving on. So let's just we'll keep tabs on that. Moving on some around the league stuff. Um, uh, the Pirates. Interesting news coming out of Pittsburgh. Uh, Derek Shelton is the new manager, and he has said, I believe it was on Thursday, that the Pirates are interested in implementing a four-man outfield. Now, the Pirates, we know, are not going to be competitive this season, and we know that they're not necessarily known for being an experimental organization, but Derek Shelton has worked with Joe Madden, and so he's a pretty open-minded manager. And he, yeah, so what are your thoughts on this? I don't like it if the, it depends on the context, though. If if they're going to shift at certain at-bats to put four outfielders, I don't have a problem with that at all. If they're starting out the game, left field, center field, double center field, and right field, that I have a problem with. You're literally leaving a position open, either a second base, third base, shortstop. You're leaving one of those positions open. The ball can get, just get hit. You just bunt, just bunt the other way. It's it's incredibly hard to like do that. Um, players don't really practice that that much. I've don't, seen don't what? I've seen like like bunting to the hole. I, you don't really see that that often. Like bunting no, to the No, because it's frowned upon. When the, when the team shifts, you're not supposed to bunt the other way. That's why players get hit at the next time that they come onto the plate. Yeah, but I'm just saying that that's not something that that we see often. Players it's been done. If you're a baseball player, you should know how to bunt. But but they don't. I know. I, I don't agree with that. So I'm saying that this is this is something that I think is is implementable and potentially I think it's worth trying. Um, first of all, right, like like you mentioned, if you are shifting right to the, to the right side, 
the second baseman against a lefty is kind of in the outfield exactly. anyway. Exactly. So it sort of makes sense from that perspective. Also, the functionality, the argument for the functionality is that in the three true outcomes era of baseball, where there it's either you know a home run, a walk, or a strikeout, there are more balls to the outfield because everyone's trying to hit a home run, and if it's not a home run, it's an outfield, it's a you know ball to the outfield. So adding more depth in your outfield sounds like a good idea. Now for the Pirates, I don't really care about the Pirates. They just added Gerard Dyson, so it seems like they've added an upgrade. You know, he's very fast. He still scores high in sprint speed in his age 36 season. Um, he should be he should be an upgrade there. They've got Polanco in right. Again, I don't we don't really care about the Pirates. But my point is that <laughs> that on. I mean I dude, I mean they're they're not in I feel bad for the Pirates because I have a lot of respect for that organization, but they they're a historic franchise. They're a historic franchise but their their organizational philosophies have failed, and they they don't learn. But but we're again, this is not a pirates podcast. I have a lot to say about the pirates' organizational philosophy, but we're not going to get into that. Basically, my point is, this is interesting. The pirates are just allowing themselves to be guinea pigs to see if this works, and they're not going to be competitive, so it's not going to be an advantage. So we're, it, we'll see. We'll keep our this eye on it. We'll see. It's a little different than the Rays choosing to do an opener, right? This is. <laughs> literally changing the way that you play the game. I mean, I guess the, the Rays doing the opener. Well, this is not is the also, first time this has been done. No, I know, but if to start the game out that way. You, they did it in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Like Willie McCovey, they did Jim, it, Jim wait, Rice, on, Mark on, McGuire. On, they did it. Mark McGuire did not play in the 70s. No, 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 no. no I'm, I'm not, I, they did it in, he no, did saying, it in did 1999, they, but, but did, they, did they start the game out with four outfielders? Um, I don't know. I'm when not did they sure. shift? I know it wasn't a shift; it was an experimental four-man outfield okay, that's with cool. Jim Rice that was and cool. Herman Kelmer. With, with Jim Rice in 1956, when they had decided to have four outfielders, nice. I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not arguing that this is like uh, something that happens all the time. But it's not. Yeah. I'm just arguing that it's not the first time this has happened. Word. So uh, more. I, I don't know if you can consider this around the league, but um, stop criticizing me. I'm trying my best. No, um, Russell Martin. The Mets are going to sign Russell Martin. Or no, excuse whoa, me. I whoa, want them to whoa. sign Russell Martin. There you go, Freudian Mr. slip. G- GM Nick Wilson. Yeah, right. No, I, I. So Russell Martin is an amazing clubhouse leader. Well, you, you know, you had him on your team for a while. What, what do you? What are your thoughts on Russell Martin? Good defensive catcher, good offensive player. Not a good uh, offensive player, but, but he's decent. not not anymore. Well, with the Yankees, he was nice. I mean, no, no, he's thirty seven now. He sucks. Excuse me, you asked me what I thought about the guy. I'm telling him, going off of what I observed for him when he was on the Yankees. Okay, fair enough. Um. But, you know, there's intangibles, obviously, in baseball that analysts can't measure. I've said it a million times. He's one of those guys. Um, you have him in your clubhouse. He's a good team leader, good player to have. I resent him a little bit. Kind of took away my favorite player's uh, job, which is Jorge Posada. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be against it. Um, who Who's the Mets' backup catcher right now? Right now, it would be, um, what's his name? They don't really have a great option, right? I mean, right now, uh, I they have two options. So Rene Rivera is is number one, and Tomas Nito is the second. Well, apparently the A's are going after him pretty hard, so you better the Mets better do something. If they and if the him. A's are going after a player, you know that they're they're a smart team. So. Yeah, they're a smart uh, team that hasn't hasn't won anything. So what, where where's all that intelligence gotten them? To the playoffs a bunch of times, but and, and a lot of winning records. I mean, you, you can't always win. Anyway, they never had a championship. Moving on to one last segment, we're gonna we're gonna go for this week, which is just a player spotlight. Um, so I want to focus on Ahmed Rosario. I think it's a little too early. Ugh, give me a break. 
player spotlight. I want to focus on my favorite Met player. <laughs> I love Ahmed Rosario. I love Ahmed Rosario. Here. So here's the thing about Ahmed Rosario. He gets better every year. He's only 24. People don't realize that. He's pretty, pretty young. Um, every single year that he's been in the league, he's gotten better. Um, he was one of the, I think he might have been their top prospect at one point. Um, he's improved his offense. He's improved his defense. And his one of you know his main problems have usually been like chasing uh, pitches out of the zone. Um, he you know he's on the trajectory as one of those players that if he keeps improving like the, the way he has every year, when he's like 26 or something, he'll be a pretty good player. And um, basically, right, uh, the first half of last year he was two he batted 260, 299, 414. The second half he had a 319 average, 351 on base, and 453 slash line. So he had a 114 uh, weighted runs created plus. His K rate in the second half fell from 22% to 15%, and he's swinging more uh, and being more aggressive and making contact more. So his chase rate. Uh, he had a good season last year. He did. He did. Um, he died 290, or almost. Yeah. And so uh, basically, he's swinging more and being more aggressive, and he's chasing less. He has a 92% contact rate on strikes, which is among the 20 highest percentage in baseball. Um, so when you look at the player and the defense was improved in the second half as well. The the thing that that Rosario his main issue is that he chases the slider away. He gets put away with that pitch more than any other pitch, and I think that he needs to if he can work on that and have like less specific weaknesses, he'll be a good player. He's improved every year since he's been in the league. I don't see why you wouldn't assume that he might make another leap this year. And I think he's just one of those players that's just going to improve incrementally at every area as as he gets he's in, gets more comfortable. So I want to look at Ahmed Rosario a little too early to look at, you know, battling for spots on the Mets roster. But it also looks like if you look at the Mets roster, it's He's going to be on the Mets roster. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that – he no, no, right. He will. But I'm saying that – I was saying that we're doing player spotlights because it's too early to talk about, like, fighting for roster spots. Yeah. So anyway – that's our episode. That's our show. Feel free to give us a give us a rate us rate us on on uh, on uh, Apple Apple Podcasts and Spotify. No, I don't think you can rate on Spotify. There you go. You can. All right. Fuck me. Rate on Spotify. Rate on Maybe Apple not. Podcasts. <laughs> um, go to our Instagram page. We do quizzes. We do a bunch of shit. We have some BTS. Um, we have and- some what? BTS. Oh, they said BDS. I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) That's our show. Give us a like and a rating on um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We have an Instagram page where we have BTS. We uh, have some news and updates on our IG as well. Uh, Just, you know, give us a shout out. We were going to do some giveaways at some point. And uh, yeah, we have a Twitter as well. So like that shit. Podcast next week uh, might be a little late. I'm going to be in Colorado. So the normal day that we record will not be uh happening so we'll let you we'll keep you updated on the next episode episode 10 and as always we thank you for tuning in every week deuces